think back when you were a kid. Like, if you remember those times where you were just happy about the world because you didn't know the world sucked yet. Like, you remember those moments? Like, life was good. Like, it was just like, you're like, you didn't know, like, people were evil and people are, like, yeah, you just, it was that great thing. And, and like, I see it in my son. Like, I see it, like, he's, he's six and he still has that innocence of, like, people are good and people are great. And I'm so afraid of, like, taking that away. I'm afraid of doing it myself because I just say stupid stuff all the time. And I'm just, like, trying, I, like, I say something, I'm like, oh, wait, don't listen to that. No, that's not true. But, like, you just see it happening to him because... He, he starts to see it in his life. He started school. He's, he, well, he's doing Zoom right now, and it's awful. A six-year-old on Zoom. He's like, I don't know how to use it. I'm like, people my age don't know how to use it. You're okay, man. It's just, it's awful. This is not a good way to learn. And he's falling out of his chair just because he's bored. It's just literally. But he, he, he started seeing like good and evil from like Disney movies and stuff. And so he'll watch it, and he really cannot stand bad people. Like he can't stand them. Like he gets really angry. Like when Cruella de Villa comes on, like she's stealing puppies, like he's mad, like he's pissed off. Like the other day we were watching uh, one of the movies and like the bad man came on. He's like, dad, I want to give him coronavirus. I was like, that's interesting. That's interesting. Because uh, he believes coronavirus is literally the cause of everything. Anything bad that happens in her life, he's like, freaking coronavirus. So it's like... You're right. And, and so he watches the movies, and, but always in Disney movies, like the, the bad guy loses, the good guy wins, and all that. So he hasn't really had to deal with the idea of like the possibility of the good guy losing. And so he started walking, watching a little bit of uh, Pokemon, and uh, my wife is not about it. She's like, I don't want him to be a nerd. And I'm like, I'm a little bit of a nerd. She's like, I didn't know that when I married you, though. And so... Like, we're just, we're just talking about it. So he's, he's watching a little bit of Pokemon and all that, where he watches the first movie with my wife. It's, the, it's Mew versus Mewtwo or whatever it is. And, and so he's watching it. And in the movie, there's this point where, like, the, the really bad Pokemon, the really good Pokemon are fighting, and they go to, like, hurt each other. And Ash, the main guy, runs in the middle of it. Like, some of you right now, you're feeling the emotion of it, because I know. Like, for some of you, this was that moment for you, too, because, like, this came out in, like, 98. And so, like he goes in the middle of it and it hits him and he dies and literally that moment my six-year-old son yells he's like no like starts bawling crying because he's like oh my gosh this person died and my wife's just sitting there like nerd stop and so <laughs> she's like how like he doesn't understand it he's like she's like how he's the main character like he can't die like they need to make more shows and more money off of him like he's gonna he's gonna come back and he ends up coming back but he's just crying why because like he realizes like some of the hurt and the pain in the world and you see that like starting to happen around him. And for some of us that happened so much earlier, for some of us we've gone through all of it. Like some of you, I know you having stories of pain and hurt starting in your life from such an early age. And some of it many times is from parents saying awful things. You know, you're the reason we broke up. You're the reason that this happened. You're not good enough. I wish I never had you. And you started to hear these things and they started to hurt. And what happens is when we have childhood hurt, childhood hurt, we don't really deal with it. We just kind of, we put it on our backs and we learn to just deal with life with that pain. And so we have that pain and we're good with that pain. But then as we go through life, what happens? More pain, more baggage, more things happen to us. And we learn to just deal with more and more pain. And what's really sad and what you see and what we've been talking about in this is it even happens in the church. And for some of you, it's the reason this is the first time you've been back in a while. Like you thought that person loved you and cared for you. You thought that person in leadership was a godly person and they hurt you. They turned their back on you. Some of you dated someone who said that they were incredibly godly, but they used you and left you. And we have these hurts and we have these pains and we have these things that we build up over time and we don't know how to deal with them. We just assume we just have to live life with them. And many times it goes through our mind. We go, maybe we just shouldn't live life. 
You know, maybe this isn't worth it. This is just tough. And today, guys, we're, we're talking about an incredibly tough topic. We're talking about a topic that will affect all of us throughout our lives. And if we don't learn how to deal with it, it will cripple the rest of our lives. And that is bitterness. So we look at Hebrews twelve fifteen. I just want to look at this verse real quick here. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. He's letting them know, hey, I need you to understand like if we don't do this right, you will lose out on the grace of God. Not, not the idea that you won't go to heaven, but you will lose out on the power source of who God is. You will lose the grace in your daily life if you choose to hold on to the past instead of going on to the future. It says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. It says it's a poisonous root. It's a root that starts off small, but grows large. It's dangerous. And let me just say this. This is hard to talk to, talk about as a pastor because many of you are holding bitterness towards someone who did something awful to you. So as we go throughout this message, I just wanna say this starting off. Just because it seems like I'm going through this message and it may seem like to you, I am minimizing your pain, I'm not. I am not minimizing your pain. I'm maximizing you understanding what is possible when you get free from that pain. I want you to get that. So don't think for a moment, I'm going, oh, what happened to you isn't a big deal. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying what happens when you hold on to it is not only do you live a life that's less than you give up that freedom. I mean, think about it. Think about the most bitter person you know. Think about who's around them, the relationships that they have. There's no joy there. There's no kindness. There's no, I mean, people hang out with them because they're family, but they don't like to be there. I mean, not only did they not forgive the things that happened in their past, but even the smallest things they harp on now. They're always looking at the wrong things. Nobody goes, man, I want to be like that bitter person when I get older. Like nobody says that. Nobody wants to be around that person. So what this verse is saying is, beware of the bitter root, the root that grows in the soil of a wounded heart. See, bitterness grows in a wounded heart. Bitterness grows and it starts with an unresolved hurt. Somebody said something, somebody did something, or somebody didn't do something they were supposed to do. And it doesn't take much for us to get from the point of something small happening or something big happening and it rolling into something even more. I mean, think about it. How easy is it for you to start an argument with yourself after somebody did you something wrong? Like how often, just, just, you don't need to raise your hand, but how often in your shower do you have an argument with someone that's not there and you win? Like, it's always that straw man. They say this and you're like, yeah, well, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, I got you. And like, there's a smile that comes across your face because you're like, I just slammed them. They can't even live their life now. Like, I just, I just took away their soul. Like, you, you feel good about it. Like, you're in the car, you're doing it. Then you look over and somebody's looking at you and you're like, it's, it's that thing. Like how quickly though, how quickly do we go from somebody saying the wrong thing to us telling them off in our mind? It grows quickly. And here's the thing you see in this verse. It says what? It says that it corrupts many. See, bitterness is contagious. Bitterness is contagious. When you are around someone bitter, it's contagious. Bitterness and negativity, it is something that so easily goes from person to person. And so it's impossible for you to be joyful or happy when you are bitter. It's impossible to be joyful or happy when someone around you is bitter. So what I want to do today is I want to help root out those areas. I want us to really look at those and see where those roots are so that we can deal with them. So I'm going to do something a little bit different right now. Um, I'm going to have you guys kind of repeat after me a prayer. 
Um, we don't normally do this, so if you're like weirded out, there's no, there, look, we're not gonna do any Kool-Aid or anything like that. Like it's just, just say a prayer out loud. It's very simple. And this is, this is about, this is the idea. I, we want to deal with bitterness. So repeat after me. Dear God, would you show me any roots of bitterness in my life? Help me see them today. That was it. Good. Here's why we did that. I hope, I hope, there's things I think right now, all of you are going, yeah, I know I'm bitter about that, but there's probably some other things that are adding to it. There's some things that you don't see. And so what I want to do is I want to give you some ways of seeing that there are bitterness, there is a bitterness, a root of bitterness in your life. And here's, here's one of the biggest ones. Are you justifying your bitterness? Here's what I mean by that. You go, well, I'm only acting that way because they did this. Or I'm only, you know, responding this way because they did this. Or I only say that because they never apologize or this never happened. And you're constantly find yourself in a place of justifying the way you are acting. Like I, I still remember my first job in youth ministry. There was this kid that we went to camp and he was a ninth grader and he thought he was really good at ping pong. And so he was talking trash to me. And so I went and played him in ping pong as a 23 year old and he's talking trash to me. So I talk it back. And of course, as a 23 year old, I can go after his insecurities more because he's in ninth grade. And so we're talking trash. We're going back and forth. I absolutely annihilate this kid in ping pong. Well, he got so mad that that happened that he went, he went home and told his mom that I did some other things that didn't happen and made up these lies about me and all that. So the mom called the pastor. I brought me in. I got yelled at all that. So I pretty much from that point on, like hated that kid. It's like, I know as a youth pastor, you shouldn't say that, but just look, I'm just being honest right now. And literally like two and a half years later, I remember them going, hey, we're looking at people that can be student leaders. We're looking at somebody that do something like, hey, what about this kid? I'm like, no, not that kid. They're like, why? I'm like, well, back in ninth grade, he told his mom that I said this, this, and this, and this happened. And I remember the pastor looked at me. He goes, you're telling me something a ninth grade kid did has held a part in your heart up to this point? It's like, no. <laughs> yes. But it was that thing. I mean, think about it. How many times are you in conversation? Somebody brings up somebody and you're like, oh, you're like, why do I, why am I holding on to that? Like some of you hate your cousins that you haven't seen in 10 years because of what they did at the family reunion. Like it's, it's crazy. We hold on to those things so often. So are you justifying your actions there? Here's the next one. Are you becoming overly critical? Overly critical. Critical attitudes are infectious. Go into a group of people that could be saying all nice things, start talking critical about somebody, everybody joins in. It becomes something that's critical. And you're going, I know some of you are sitting there going, I'm not critical. I'm just a realist. Shut up. No, you're not. Look, I say that. Look, I say that. I've always said, that. I'm like, no, I'm just a realist. No, here's the difference. A, a critical comment, uh, some, something that's honest can help somebody become better and help somebody go further. A critical comment just puts them down. So there's a difference. You can tell the difference between honesty and, and being critical by whether or not what you said to that person is going to help lift them up to something more or is it just trying to hurt them? I mean, think about this. Are you a person that celebrates when bad things happen to people that hurt you? I mean, think, if you have somebody speed past you on the highway, like they're going crazy, and then later on you see them pulled over by a cop, you're like, yeah, way to go. Do your job. Like you're excited, right? Like you're like, oh, maybe not that. But what, what about this? Um, have you ever stalked your ex's Instagram or Facebook to see if they got dumped? 
and liked it and unliked it just to let them know that you saw that? <laughs> like, do you look at those posts and you look at the person there and you look at the friend next? They're uglier than me, right? Yep, ha. <laughs> you lost out. Right, we pay attention to those things. I mean, do you, when you lose a job, do you look back and every time they have a trouble with the next person that they hired and all that, you go, oh, well, that, you deserve that because this happened. I mean, think about that. Do you celebrate when bad things happen to people? You realize where you're at at that point? Where you're like, yeah, suck it. Why? Because there's something deep in our heart that we're refusing to deal with. Here's another one. Are you easily offended? I mean, we've all been there with somebody else. It's very hard for us to realize we're easily offended. But we know those situations where we're just having a conversation and all of a sudden somebody's like, like blows up on us. And you're like, what in the world? It's like, you're so easily offended. But then when somebody tells us we're easily offended, then we blow up again because it's another thing to be offended about. But we do. Are, are you easily offended? Do the small things get, make it go big? I mean, we live in a culture that almost celebrates offense. And look, I'm not talking about being offended by injustices and stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being offended by the smallest things, by things that could be taken the right way or the wrong way, but we're always going to take them the wrong way being easily offended by all these things. I had one time I was speaking at the Van Dyke campus and I had a lady come up to me afterwards and she said, hey, uh, Pastor Howe, I want to release you from the hurt you caused me. I was like, what? She goes, so like a couple months ago, this was pre-COVID and all that when normal amounts of people were in church. She's like, I came out after your message and I was talking to you about something that was serious in my life and um, I felt like you just brushed me off. And I was like, she goes, so I'm going to release you from that because you hurt me there. And she goes, when you got up to speak today, I was like, man, the Lord's trying me. I'm like, well, let me stop you there. God's not trying you. Um, let me say this. When you were talking to me, did, did I say, hey, we can have a conversation later if you would like? She goes, yes. I said, when you were talking to me, were there like 20 other people around waiting to talk to me? She said, yes. I said, why do you feel like that was the moment that that needed to happen? Like, why are you offended by that? Like, why are you so easily hurt by something that I did in that moment? I said, I, I am more than willing to have a conversation with you and talk about the hurt and the pain, the things that are there. But I need you to understand this. There's a root there that caused that. The reason you were offended by what I did was not because of what I did. It's because you were looking to be offended. See, we have to pay attention to whether or not we are offended. Here's another one. Are you writing off entire groups of people? All men are All women are, all Republicans are, all Democrats are, all black people are, all white people are. We see this all the time, right? I mean, I, I just want to have a, a moment, and I'm going to offend some of you, and that's going to be okay, because I'm doing this for you. If I see another post from a Christian person saying, all Christian men are blank, I'm going to lose it. I'm so tired of it. So all Christian men are that. No, they're not. No, they're not. And let me just go ahead and tell you this. When you write that, you immediately become undateable. Because nobody wants to go out with the girl that's going to post about them afterwards. Because bitterness is not sexy. Now, it's the other way, too. I've seen Christian guys say all Christian women are this. Look, I'm just saying this. Look, if you've been in any sort of relationships, you've been hurt. That's a part of dating for some reason. But we've got to learn to get over those things. And if not, we're going to deal with bitterness that entire time. I mean, I still remember, like, just 
when you go through life, you develop prejudice. You see things differently. I was in South Florida and our church was growing. They're like, man, what can we do to reach the Spanish speakers in South Florida? And we're like, let's start a church for Spanish speakers. And so they started a church. They had an incredible pastor. They absolutely resourced it, building like all the music, like everything they needed. And the church just would not grow, would not grow, would not grow. Two years in, it would not grow. Like what in the world is going on? Well, a guy came up to us. He said, here's the reason why. We live in a part of South Florida, which is mainly Cubano and you have a Puerto Rican pastor. And all the Latino people are like, shh, you're talking about us. And then you find out very quick that Latino people are incredibly racist against other Latino people. Like, God forbid you call a Cuban a Puerto Rican or a Mexican. Like, it's just, I did that once. And then from that point on, I'm like, please tell me what you are so I can tell you what it is. And and that's one of those things, like you see these things, it's natural to happen. Guys, prejudice, these things are natural to happen because someone harmed you. The problem is when we allow that harm to cause us to shut ourselves off to an entire set of people. So are you writing off groups of people? And here's the last one. Are you struggling to see bitterness in your life? Here's what I mean by that. If you live a life that's defined by bitterness, it becomes normative and becomes very hard to see. If your life is a life filled with tons of bitterness, you don't see it in your life because that's what's normal. That's what you see. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like living in a place for a while. When you live in a place for a while, you start to just stop seeing certain things. It just becomes the background. Like I remember my house, like after I lived there for a while, I just stopped seeing a lot of the problems. Then my dad would come over and be like, hey, did you see that? Yes, I did. Did you see that? Now I did. Thank you. I need to fix that. And then he'd point out stuff. And finally we got to a point, I'm like, dad, just... I know my house is falling apart. I would just like to act like it's not. But that's what it is. It's that idea of when you get used to bitterness, when you get used to that hate, and you get used to that that lack of joy, it becomes normative. What does that mean you need? You need truth tellers in your life, not negative people, not somebody that's going, oh, please let me tell you the truth. It's somebody that cares about you, somebody that loves you, that can be honest with you. Here's the problem. Many times when you have a lot of bitterness in your life, many times when you're a very angry person, the first people you drive out are those that are truth. Those that are willing to tell you the truth. So we have to actually be very purposeful to bring people into our lives that are willing to tell us the truth. That when we go, hey, do you see bitterness in my life anywhere? They're like, yes. Yes, I do. I see it here. It's because this person broke up with you. Or I see it here because your dad said this to you the other day and you haven't let it go. And we realize that there are those things in our lives. Here's why this is so important. Holding on to bitterness causes us to become our own jailer. We've literally created our own cell around us. It's kind of like this. There's the way that these hunters would catch, it's called Burmese monkeys. And some of you have heard, the, heard of this before. And so they would go in and the way that they would catch them is they wouldn't set up a net or anything like that. They'd find a coconut and they'd drill a hole in the coconut the size that a Burmese monkey's hand could fit through. Then they'd tie the coconut to a tree and in the coconut they would put peanuts. And so what would happen is the Burmese monkey would come along and he would see the peanuts and they, and they love peanuts so they'd put their hand in and they would grab it. And of course, what does that do? That makes a fist. Some of us have been here before, and then you go to take your hand out, and it doesn't work. And so they sit there with their hands on, around the penis, and they will not pull it out. So when the hunters come back, it's very easy to capture them. And they literally lose their freedom just for a couple of peanuts. Guys, when we hold on to our bitterness, we become our own jailer, and we forfeit our freedom. 
we forfeit our ability to live a life that God wants us to live. And it's in a jail created by ourselves. God has an answer for this, but it's not the answer you want to hear. But we're going to go through that. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. So it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So what's the answer? It's not the one we want to hear whenever someone has wronged us. It's forgiveness. And once again, let me just say this. I'm not minimizing your pain by saying we need to forgive. I'm just wanting you to understand what's possible when we do forgive. And when we allow unforgiveness to be our norm, we put ourselves in a prison of our own actions. And let me just say this in this. Sometimes, and you'll see this even more in life, sometimes we may not feel something, but we can go ahead and act on it. And many times our actions follow our feelings. For example, in marriage, if you were offended, there are days where my wife and I both wake up and we don't feel like loving each other. There are days where I wake up and I look across at my beautiful wife who hasn't had her full cup of coffee and she is sneering back at me angrily and I say, hey, how are you doing? She's like, am I done with this cup of coffee? And I, um... <laughs> There are days where my son wakes up and he comes down the stairs and he says something smart or he's just crying for no reason. And I understand why my dad always said, I can give you a reason to cry about. Now I get that. There are dumb reasons to cry. There are good reasons to cry and there are dumb reasons to cry. My blankie fell on the floor is not a reason to cry. Here's what I'm saying. There are days where my natural feelings are not to love the people around me. But what is love? Love is a choice. So I choose to love them. You don't feel like forgiving that person. I understand that. I'm not saying you have to feel that way, but what I want to do is I want to give you some steps, some actions that will allow you to forgive that person so that you can walk away from the pain. Because here's what bitterness is. Bitterness is drinking poison, expecting somebody else to die. Bitterness is drinking a poison and expecting them to be hurt. While they're walking around absolutely free, we're holding on to something that's hurting. So how do we start this process? Here's the first thing. Identify the people that have wronged you. Some of you are like, I already know them. It's this person, this one. No. Go home, get a piece of paper out, write it down. Actually write it down. If the person is in the house with you, make sure they can't read it. Write it down. Be specific. Be specific. Write down the person that has wronged you. And then here's the second thing. Determine what they owe you. For some of you, absent father, you're like, you owe me a childhood. For some of you, it's your innocence. It's your chance at something more. It's a part of your heart. You know, they cheated you out of a period of your life. Write it down and be honest. Don't minimize it. As you're writing these things down, go, well, that's not really that bad. Just write it down. Write it down. Determine what they owe you. And here's, here's what we do next. Make the choice to cancel the debt. That's forgiveness, but it's worded in a way that makes it a little bit easier, I think. This is a process. This many times involves other people helping you do this. Sometimes it involves counseling, and it takes time. Like I said, you may not feel like it right now, but when we daily decide to let go of those things, our feelings follow our actions. 
I'll just say this on the side. Some of the worst hurt and pain in my life was not what somebody did to me, but what somebody did to somebody that I love. I mean, you guys have heard our story. You've heard Chrissy's story of, you know, being molested as a kid, being raped in high school. When I found that out, there's a lot of pain and a lot of anger. And there's a lot of me wanting to know who they were, what happened, and how I can go after that person or whatever they may be. And I've never found out who they were. But one of the hardest things for me to let go of was forgiving those people that hurt my wife. It's going to be incredibly hard for me in the future to forgive someone that hurts my kids. It's going to be incredibly hard, but it's something that we must do. So we identify that person, we determine what they owe, then we make the choice to cancel the debt. Why? Not for them. Not for them, but for you. And the last thing is just what we should know. It's the only way we can do it is stay connected to God. We stay connected to God. Let me just say this in a side note, because sometimes as Christians, we, we over-holy this entire thing. I'll, I'll put it that way. And this idea that once we forgive somebody, then that means we also have to let them back in our life. That's not true. And I've heard Christian guys say before, well, God said, you got to forgive me and let me back. No, you forgive them, but you don't let them back. You forgive that person, but you put up a wall because it's not worth the pain. I need you to get this real quick. I need you to understand this because many times, one of the biggest reasons we don't like to forgive people because we assume that means we have to let them back. We don't. Sometimes maybe down the road we can, but you don't, being a Christian doesn't mean you willingly let somebody back in that's going to stab you, that's going to hurt you, that's going to bring you pain. Being a Christian, it says in the Bible, we, have to, we get to be as shrewd as snakes, which means we understand that that person is a danger, so I'm going to give myself that space. So we do forgive them. That doesn't mean we allow them to come back because forgiveness is a choice to release that hurt so it no longer has control in my life. Guys, this is not something that happens right away, and this is not something that goes away when you get older. This is something you will continue to need to do as you go throughout life. And it's something that we need to be very purposeful at pointing out and seeing so that we can deal with it right away. Guys, what's really cool, and Tay will speak to this too, tonight we have something new. We're going to have a prayer team up here, and some of you right now are feeling something. Let me just explain to you what a prayer team is about. They are for you to tell as much or as little as you want, and sometimes you just need prayer. I know many of us in this room right now, I, it, you, you know it's, you're feeling it right now. You don't want to feel it. You don't want to deal with it. You don't want to feel that pain. And some of us, we just need someone to pray for us. Guys, let me pray for us. God, I just thank you so much that you are a God that wants us to live in freedom. God, I thank you so much that you give us the power to live that way. God, I pray. I pray that everyone here will take a step towards that tonight. God, I pray that many of us tonight will go home, take out that piece of paper, put down these names, put down what they owe, and start the process of releasing that debt. God, I pray that you will surround us with people that are honest that care about us, that will encourage us, but also point out the areas where we are weak. God, I thank you. I thank you that you will continue to give us second chances in the ways that we've wronged other people too. God, we thank you for those second chances. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.